Hello and welcome to episode, I don't remember what episode it is because it's been so long since we did one because I've been so busy with development, but here we are, Game Dev Grip Hot, uh, episode, new episode with, this is the second time you're on now, Brad, or third time? This is my third time. And uh, what game are you working on and what are you doing over there? Working on, member the Alamo, it is an ER shooting game that will hopefully be launched very soon. All right, and I'm I'm on the same boat that my game... I'm changing the name. It was called God Machine. Right now I'm throwing around some other ones, but I'm working on my third person platformer because there's some videos out there. And the reason we decided to do this podcast is because we were talking about, we were talking about publishing a game, how to do it in pieces, stuff like that, right? Right. And uh, I, I've heard, like, I know, I know conceptually what Steam Early Access is, but it really never made sense to me. So I know it sounds like it's stupid, but that's mm. what that's for, right? Like you put out like the first chapter of your game and then you keep building on it. Yeah. And it's just kind of like letting the people know that you're going to keep working on this. And is that how you're going to release your game? Or are you going to release it as a standalone game? How are you planning to do it? Well, no, I was going to do it. Like I've conceptualized it as really, I'm viewing my game as if it's like a, a sitcom that gets updated weekly so i'm just kind of playing with the terminology of it because sometimes people are like oh fucking early access oh i don't want to i don't want to mess with this like oh it's unfinished it's unbroken so i'm just kind of playing with like the the marketing of it and being like this is going to update frequently like you would like a tv show so so is that a thing in the public opinion that it's kind of scammy or something the early access because i don't know there are people that are kind of like whiny about it because i mean every game nowadays is early access so you'll always have people complaining and like the reviews and the comments about it so i just kind of like twisted it into a way where it's like oh no this this is an early access this is a this is a television show okay because the way it works i mean you you publish a regular game you can update it infinitely right 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 so what was the reason for having early access that you can just publish a broken game or something absolutely and, 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 it's, then, and it's not just that. It's so that you can, if you're like an indie developer, you can like be like, this is early access. You can start building a community. You can like, I mean, because I was telling, I think I said that when we were talking in Discord, but like we don't have the funds to have a QA team. So putting it out in early access will have, will, the people can get involved with helping with bugs, telling you what's wrong with things. Okay, so you're like, it might give like players feeling like they're help building the game too. Like, hey, you want to get in from the ground floor and like help these guys make this game better or something? Yeah, and you'll naturally build a community that way. And so like you'll have a strong base whenever you do get to that finalized state. And then some games they don't ever even finalize. Like they're still so, early access. So from our perspective, what's the difference you know, is there like a difference between how much you pay, how much control you have, like from what you have to do, whether you go early access or a regular release? No, there's there's really nothing. Like you could even have like a regular release and it still follow that early access format of just of just constantly updating it. It's more of just like a a tag to be like to be open with the people who are buying your game. They're like, okay. hey, this, this is this is unfinished. So you could do a regular release when if you were truthful, you should have done it as an early access, right? Like it could go like that too? Absolutely. Like, like it's a prototype stuff still broken. like Right, right. But I think what uh, we're both talking about is having like a, a finalized chunk and then updating chapters as you go. 
which certain yeah. games have played with that format, like Life is Strange or even like Hitman 2. They've been like episodic in what they're doing. Okay. How often did they put the episodes out or how much time was there in between? Uh, Hitman 2, it was like every other month. Okay. It's pretty, pretty frequent. And people yeah. loved Like they thought that was because they got more high quality content earlier. And people just want good games. Like that's the reason they put up with early access in the first place. Yeah, I think I'm in the wrong frame of mind because you reminded me in the Discord chat, like, hey, this isn't a movie. You know, my background's in film and animation where you put something out and that's all you can ever put out. But yeah. this is far different. You change the guns to walkie-talkies, people are going to be pissed. But but you can, it's like a piece, a piece of software. So, I mean, you just kick out a new build, right? And upload it and like, hey. Yeah. And like people are, nowadays are so used to that. Like they they expect it. So, but that would probably mean, because I've seen them in the asset store, but I haven't implemented them, that we need to have a good patching tool built into our game, right? Right. So we're not like, download this two gig build, you know, file again. Yeah, there's a few tools that will kind of just, they'll, I guess they compare your two builds and they just find what you need between the two. Yeah, for myself, I would I would think I would need that because if it was like a whole build, I'd, I'd like put it off or like you know if there was like just a little fix i wouldn't mm -hmm. do it but then if i had like a patcher thing then i'd be like hey you know i'd do it probably more often i'd think yeah and i mean like a lot of games do that so it can't be that insanely complicated yeah i know i probably sound like i'm stupid because if you've been doing game dev you're like why doesn't he know this like everyone knows this but just know i'm an outsider so i came in from film and animation and music and all this other like non-interactive media and i play games on steam but i'm not very i've like six five games i played but i'm not that i'm not very active in the community at all i've never like posted anything on steam so i just don't know how the stuff works yeah, so, and I mean, it's just changed over the past few years. I mean, like 15 years ago, you would release a game and people, that would be it. And people would be like begging for expansion packs. like, And then it became DLC. And then it became, we're just going to keep updating this all the time. Yeah, I'm thinking my mind was stuck. You know, I grew up playing games with cartridges. And right. it was like, yeah, you bought the cartridge, that's it. But... Since it's gone software, digital distribution, it's like, hey, it's just a piece of software now. So you can update it like a piece of software. Yeah, and it's not to say those formats aren't dead. I mean, Nintendo releases a game and then that's it. Like, it's a, just a perfect game right there. Yeah, they don't do, like, online updates because they have the online thing. They never patch it. They've, done, they, they've done a little bit, but they, they tend to, like, nail it from the get-go. Okay, but they can still do it because their console's right. online or whatever. So Right, right. Yeah, that's what I need to change, like, that completionist mindset where it's like, no, this is my finished game. And, you know, yeah, episodic, or what you're saying, episodes in a sitcom. Yeah. And, and I then, mean, like, you release that first chapter, you get a community built up, you get feedback on the game. I mean, because you were talking about, like, worried about going for two more years of developing it. With no feedback. feedback. Yeah. And not building anything. And not knowing if anybody even wants the whole thing. <laughs> right. So, yeah, I, I, so my perspective is like, I've been working on this game on and off for two years now. And it's at a state where I have, I, I don't know, I'm just going to ballpark. I have between two and four hours of gameplay finished now. It's like the first level. 
But within that one level, there's actually seven sub-levels and three boss fights. So for a lot of people, it probably could be a standalone game. Um, so my initial thought was like, okay, yeah, all right, I did this one. Now I'm going to spend another year or 18 months doing the other 10 levels, which is like another 20 hours of gameplay or something. But just that feeling of like not having feedback, not knowing where people are at. Do people even want it? Do I even want to do it? You know, the grind starting, starting to get on me. I want to do other smaller projects. Um, so it's like, oh, I can do this. I can just put out the first like three hours of the game and then do a little project, come back, do another chapter and just build it up like that. Yeah, like what? the game Life is Strange, they did that. It was like five episodes or self-contained episodes. And then they just combined. I don't even think you can buy it individually anymore. They just combined it all together once it was fully released. Because that, that, I mean, that has to be the smartest way to do it as an unknown. You know, like nobody knows yeah. me for games. So it's just like, put it out. It's going to take a long time for people to notice and discover it and appreciate it or whatever. And then by the time you're finished with your full release, you know, like maybe people are just starting to pay attention. So, right. And you can do something, I was saying that you you could make like a gold robot to reward all the people who supported you throughout that. Like that's all that gamers buying into something like that want. They just want kind of acknowledgement that like we were there from the beginning. We helped we helped you literally put this game out. Yeah, like a day one thing. I just yeah, I really need to switch my my perspective because it is still in that static media like this is it it's done you know but um yeah and i mean honestly with games nowadays if they are static they'll, they'll be like where's the updates like they expect they they demand the updates new stuff just added some new new stuff yeah yeah i guess i and the few games that i i bought like when i get bored of them yeah if there's no updates and i'm just like why should i play it again Right. So I guess it's kind of like that, right? Mm -hmm. So on the flip side, I mean, these are just things you got to think about when you're a solo, a solo developer, right? Because I was going to say on the flip side, all the other stuff for me is going pretty good. Like the level design, building the game, the actual gameplay is fun. And then your brain, you know, once you stop worrying about one thing, your brain switches. And now I have to worry about this. Right. Like we have to handle the the business side of it too, the marketing side of it too. Yeah. And that's the thing that like, I know my history where I, my, my instinct is like, this is finished. Just put it out and leave and go work on the next thing, you know? Mm -hmm. And I know where that gets you unless lightning strikes and you get super lucky and other people do all the work for you. But of course you cannot, you cannot plan on that. Cause that's just, you know, winning the lottery. So I was just like, oh, you know, I'll look into publishers or something like that. Um, but, um, yeah, I don't have any ex experience I mean, with game publishers. Do, all they're going to do is make, like, a GIF or a trailer, and they're going to just put it out there. So all you have to do, like, nowadays is make a good GIF of your game, put it out there on Twitter, Reddit, whatever it is, and start building interest from there. And I think that if you're an unknown, you have to have your store page ready to go when you start doing that. Yeah, well, when I was, I've been watching the GDC talks. We were talking about some of them, and pretty much what I gleaned from it was like, don't do any promotion at all until you your game can be wish listed on Steam. Yeah, that's what I 
pulled out of it, like, okay, don't put a trailer out, don't do any of this stuff because it's a call to action and then they have nothing to do. So, like, you know, do that. And um, I think my biggest issue is, I'm sure it's probably a lot of people, is just knowing what appeals to people in your game. Like, hey, I'm going to focus on uh, this robot thing or something, but, you know, uh, regular pe other people might not care at all. They might, no, nah, but this is so cool, this story part. And I'm like, really, the story? Because, you know, I come from story, so I'm just like, that's no big deal. Hey, look at my gameplay. And they might think, oh, this gameplay sucks, but that, but the atmosphere is really cool. So for me, for promoting it and marketing it, it's like making the trailer and stuff. I know I need to experiment, but that's the thing that messes with my brain. I'm just like, dude, how do I frame it? I don't know how to frame it. I mean, if you just show any of like the like that video you posted was great. Like you could chop that up into a GIF showing your bosses. And I guarantee you you would get a ton of traffic on that. Cuz there's nothing like that on the on these Unity subreddits. Like it's just all like there's occasionally like good well-polished games, but a lot of it's just a bunch of stupid shit. It's like, "Oh, I worked really hard on this cube and it bounces." <laughs> like, <laughs> We, yeah, we've had uh, Brad and I have had private conversations, or maybe public too, about the Unity subreddits and people being proud of their work, or so they say in their posts. I think that came from a GDC talk, and I think it's the one you posted, the one about that Fox game. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because in this talk, I think the guy was talking about how to create sympathy or something. Like you have to talk about how hard you worked or how your dad died while you were doing it, or yeah. like you know to get people to care. And I think from that viewpoint it's now it's just artificial you know the people right. are like i need to make people care by saying these things and it's like you know yeah so, i don't i don't know if i could ever i don't even want people to know that i made the game by myself i want them to look at it and be like damn a bunch of people worked on this yeah that's there's definitely like when i did movies you know i did the movies by myself and there was like that there was a two sides of it too. It's like there, most people didn't thought it was made by a studio. So does that help you to think like this is a legit thing? Then there were other people who were like super into like one person made it, you know. So I don't know how you would flip that. I would think, I would think if your game's like edgy or weird, I think it helps you that it's made by a single person because then you know they can do whatever they want and go crazy and like no one would stop them. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Which is clearly what happened. <laughs> yeah, like no one stopped me, and now I'm really going crazy. Yeah. Like, um, if you go on the Discord, I posted an image from a boss fight I'm working on right now. Um, I'm just like, I have all these cannon parts and missiles. Oh, let's just make genital cannons while they're <laughs> dancing. Like, let's do it. So, why not? That's not going to fly. We're going to need to take that out. <laughs> nah, man. Why? What are you, sexist? <laughs> There's tit cannons everywhere. Why can't I have dick cannons? Yeah, <laughs> about that. Well, I could I guess never put it in the title, though. I could never be like, "I'm a solo dev. Here's my game. I worked really hard on it." Well, I mean, I like your studio name, the Blue Collar Games, right? Yeah. Games made by men, uh, men with calluses on their hands. Yeah, so like, you kind of got to show the man behind it, and like, like I came across this dude through the Unity subreddit, who was like making a game by himself. He works full time. He's in the National Guard. He has a kid, and he's just doing it by himself on the side. Just for me, I was like, "Oh man, that's cool. Like, I want to support this dude." And like, that's hard. But I guess I wouldn't know about regular people. 
I guess it's just like a. I mean, this might be bad, but it's like a pride thing. I just want the work to speak stand on its own. Yeah. And like, I yeah. guess if you if you dig like just a few feet, I guess you could find out that I did make it by myself. There's yeah, I would say like. So when I, you know, I used to do movies and all that stuff, I never had anything about who made it on any of the trailers. It was just a movie trailer. I just cut him, cut him like movie trailers. This is a movie. And, um, yeah, if you dug deeper, I went to my website about, and I had making of stuff, but I didn't push that out there. I mean, you could make yourself like a, like a brand, like a uh, Sid Meier was famous for saying that put your name on the, on the game. So like yeah. every every civilization game is Sid Meier's Civilization. I did Maybe. that on my movies, you know, M. Dot Strange's Heartstring Marionette, M. Dot yeah. Strange's I Am That's Nightmare. a good call. Or like Hideo Kojima, like a Hideo Kojima game. Yeah, no, that I'll, I probably will do that. Um, I've been, like I said, I had a name. So up until now, the game was called God Machine, just because that was like what ha- what your you know the main thing in the game, like actually in the dialogue and stuff like that. And then I watched a couple of GDC talks, and was just thinking about marketing and stuff. And it was like, I think the best names tell you a lot about the game from the name. And yeah. I I started looking at su- successful games like on on uh, Steam, and there was one. Let me make sure I get the the name right because. Um, Deep Rock Galactic. Yeah, it was called Deep Rock Galactic, right? And it's really, it was like one of the most popular ones on there. Not that I'm just trying to be popular. I'm just looking at good marketing. Right. And it was called Deep Rock Galactic. And in the picture, it has dwarves, like with mining equipment. But I was like, whoa, even in that name, Deep Rock Galactic, it tells you it has mining and space, and right? deep. Yeah, and then the subtitle, it's Deep Rock Galactic, Danger, Darkness, Dwarves. So it was like, all right, I'm going to fight things. It's dangerous. It's dark, and there's dwarves. I see them in the picture, Deep Rock Galactic. It all makes sense to me, and I know what I'm getting, you know? Yeah. And so I was like, God machine. I was like, wait, what is it? What am I getting? A machine? God? Is it what is, is about Jesus? Like, what God? I, you know, like, what is it? It doesn't say anything. So I think maybe, you know, if you're in the right place, not saying anything with a title could work, but as an unknown nobody who no one knows their games, I don't think that's a way to go. So especially if you can't search it easily. And that as well, because then I saw I watched another GDC talk and the dude, it was for a game called Brigador and he showed the first trailer for the game and the game was on the trailer. The game was Matador. Uh-huh. And then the dude was like, yeah, make sure you do a search to make, you know, to see that your if your game's name is copyrighted before you make the trailer. <laughs> we didn't know there was bullfighters out there? I don't know. But so I was like, you know what? I did like a SEO thing with God Machine, but there was some famous audio engineer team or whatever just put out an album called God Machine and there's, you know, other games, the something God Machine. So I was like, nah, it doesn't tell you anything. It's not unique enough. Um, I need a new name. So I'm working out other names right now. How's your name for the all that stuff? I like it because it definitely, the common phrase is remember the Alamo. Uh-huh. So saying something like member. It's like you know. America. It's like so, member. Yeah, see, when I heard that, it's like, 
it's like hinting at me that it's going to be funny. Right. Because like member to me is like America, like America, yeah. remember the Alamo. So then it's like, oh, it's going to be funny. It's not serious, which it's not. So I think that's right. a good nod. So it tells you it's about the Alamo and it's going to be funny in your name. Exactly. So I would just like, you don't have to be afraid of like Alamo rent a car or anything. No. I mean, no. it's like a, it's like a place. Okay. It's like you can't copyright a, a place. See, they copyright everything these days, man. You can't copyright Texas. <laughs> Texas is actually owned by uh, Amazon Corporation now. <laughs> oh, shit. But, but yeah, I thought I mean, of that too. It's like these characters are all, they were real. So it's like nobody can come back. So you can't talk about Davy Crockett. It's like he was, he was a man. I'm the great grandson, great, 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 great grandson. Davy's Crockett's estate is suing Actually, you. I, I know a relative of him. Dude, you just got to make his name have a different letter or something. No. Or or you can make him <laughs> D- Davy Croquet and give him like a croquet fucking rack, you know, mallet or some shit. No, it's got to it's gotta be <laughs> Davy Crockett. Hero of the Alamo. What about Crockett from Miami Vice? I don't, I don't, I don't watch movies. Oh, it was an old '80s TV show. I don't watch shows. It wasn't very good. <laughs> so when we're thinking about that, you got a good name. I didn't have a good name, so I'm changing my name. Um, and then how do you? But I was saying that thing, like when you make your trailers and do all your stuff. Mm-hmm. I know we're supposed to do it based on testing. How do you know what to focus on in your trailer and how to frame your game? Oh. I, I mean, I've had the trailer storyboarded out for, like, years. Yeah? Oh, wow. Yeah. I just, I mean, I, I just, I've watched a ton of trailers. Like, I grew up, like, I would pour over, like, video game magazines. Like, I would wake up every day and check the video game news. So, like, I know what's cool. Like, the first half of the trailer is going to be showing gameplay and, like, with, like dramatic music. And then it's going to kind of flow into, like, a anime style intro so it's gonna be like four minutes maybe okay something i've seen with like maybe they're just big games like the first trailer never shows any gameplay it's all cinematics yeah that's right shit's... and then that's, later that's if you're like popular okay is that how it works yeah if you're like uh if you're like the elder scrolls you can just like show some mountains and say elder scrolls six and people are like yeah but if no one gives a fuck about you, like you can't get away with that. I guess you're right, because one I'm thinking of right now too is like there was that game Hyperlight Drifter, and they're gonna make a new one, and it was just a trailer with cinematics and no gameplay, and it was yeah. like still like two years off. And I've just seen that because when I'm searching for new games and I want to see the gameplay, I have to search for the name trailer gameplay. Yeah, if you're a new game, you have to lead with the gameplay because people don't give a shit about you, and you have like a small window of time before they just like click to something else. Okay, so then, I mean, yeah, I guess in that thinking, then that has to be your best shit, like up front. Up front. Okay, so that's when you'd have like your giant boss fights and crazy shit, right? Yeah, and and then you could do the story stuff after. Right. Oh, okay. And I mean, I I don't even think about it like, what will people think cool? I'm just like, what do I think's cool? And like, if you. If you don't like it, I don't really. You're you're gonna like it. <laughs> yeah. See, I I keep like 
having to tweak my mind because you know I come from film and animation and art where it's totally all about that. This is my movie. This is my thing I made. I know what to focus on because I'm the director. Here mm-hmm. it is. But you know, with games, there's the interactive component. It's like, well, I'm making this for people to play. So like, I don't think I can just be like, I'm an artist. You're going to experience this the way I, I don't know. Can I? You can, but it's like certain things you have to concede on. Like you have to like take people, like as far as like mechanics go, if it's like uncomfortable for somebody or if there's like, they have like things like colorblind mode or they have like difficulty levels. Like those are all catered to like a person. But as far as like what the content is, I think you really have to focus on what you want to do. Because I guess where I'm stuck at is just like, I've always made really weird stuff, right? So now to me, it's not weird at all. It's just mm-hmm. like normal. So a normal piece of might be like, what the fuck is that? A doll climbing the building with the, you know? And I'm just like, what? It's just character. So from the outside, people might want me to just focus on the weird shit, you know, in the way I promote the game. Rather than I'm going to just be like, oh, no, the gameplay or this little story thing. That's kind of where I'm in my head I'm not sure about. I think you, I think you lead strong with the weird shit and get the eyeballs. And then, like you said, you can do whatever you want after that. Once they're like, once they're hooked into like finishing the video or trailer, like you're good. You can do whatever you want. Yeah, I'm just trying not to be the same way you know I was with film. Not to say it's bad. You know, they're different mediums. But I'm like, I at least I want to be open to approaching it a different way. You know, and like, how are people going to look at this? What are they going to focus on? You know, just I'm just I'm always trying to change. You know, and like try new things. I might go back to my old ways and just be like, whatever, this is my fucking game. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, it's a good, it's a good way to do it. I mean, you're like a solo dev. You can do whatever the fuck you want. Yeah. I feel you, of course, on the gameplay. Like, you know, someone says, oh, I couldn't do this. It was too hard or da da da. And I look at it, I'll fix it. Cause it's like, oh yeah, I didn't even think of that. But, but so, and even if they're like, oh, this is weird. Like if they're, friend tells them that it's cool they're like oh yeah this is cool like that's the way most people work yeah there are some things though i am like hard set on like a movie director where it's like difficulty and like you know people are gonna ask for like auto spawning or like what right after they die and i'm like no that's shit that i'm i'm like you know one one of my biggest inspirations for games and everything was ninja ninja gaiden on the nes Mm -hmm. and that game was so fucking hard and unforgiving and like you know i'm reading all the game dev books and all of them and so in my head i'm kind of like i don't even remember which one it was now though but it was like games are where you should take risks and learn the hard lessons in life because you have nothing to lose like you should try to help people learn valuable lessons in the game that can actually help them in life and when you fucking hold their hand and think for them and do everything for them in your game, you're not helping them in life. They're just going right. to be disappointed in life. So I'm just like, yeah, well, I don't like games insult me when they make it too easy for me or like I'm yeah. stupid. Like, go get the box and then a fucking arrow to the box. And I'm like, dude, I have a brain. Like, let me figure it out. So I mean, I'm not going to. You're definitely going to yeah. alienate your audience. So you're going to have like a smaller portion of gamers, but you're not like a giant company. Like you nah, just need yeah. to sell a million copies to make and, money. I mean, it's no comparison because I'm a nobody creating this game. But from what I looked at, that's sort of what Dark Souls did because it was yeah. hard as fuck. Yeah. 
And then instead of changing it, it just went get good. Like it became a meme and made it more popular. So or or get wrecked. Yeah, because like, but that's something where I feel I'm I'm not gonna budge as a game developer on this game. Like this is too hard. Do this and that. It's like no, that's hey, this is practice for life. Like life doesn't do this shit for you. So, you know, I'm not gonna like hold your hand. And that's the niche role that these indie devs are filling now. Like. People want hard games. People want weird games that wouldn't come out in like a AAA studio. Because by the yeah, time but, it comes out, it's so like all the edges are polished off and like it's so easy. I mean, just like secrets and games. Like I remember secrets. One of my favorite moments in gaming was when I was a little kid. And I had a little tiny fucking like seven inch TV with an NES hooked up to it. And I was playing. I borrowed the first Legend of Zelda from a dude down the block. And, you know, I was just placing bombs trying to kill this dude. And then a bomb blew a hole in the wall and made that sound. You know, the secret sound. Uh huh. And then my mind just like opened up. I was like, oh, shit. I can just, there's holes and secrets in these walls. And I went and bombed every single wall in the, the dungeon. And then yeah. I was like, well, that's so cool. The possibilities for your imagination, you know, mm-hmm. with, as a kid. And then I remember later on in the games, if walls were bombable, then they put cracks on them. So then it totally took away my imagination. It, it, it no longer was I can bomb every you know every wall. Maybe it's just like oh the bomb is a key and that's a locked door. So yeah. I'm trying to spin back to that imagination thing. Like hey anything's possible because I thought it was so cool when I was little. But now it's like why isn't there a crack where I can bomb the wall? Like you know. And the simpler graphics allowed your imagination to kind of fill in the gaps. Like if you drew Mega Man back in the day, you didn't draw him as like a square guy. You drew him as like this detailed, you know, like guy, obviously depending on your skill level. But like in your head, Mega Man was always like a 3D awesome guy. Like your imagination was allowed to fill out what these like robots and stuff actually look like. Yeah, and I'm actually doing it backwards in my game. You know how, like, in those games, even the old NES, where they still do it now in a pixel art game, like, the actual playable character will be, like, you know, 32 by 32 pixels, whatever, really low. And then when you're talking to people or in cinematics, then they would show them, like, more detailed, like a nicer drawing. So I'm doing it backwards. So my characters are rendered 3D, whatever, and then their NPC images are 32 by 32 pixel art. That's cool. So I'm like, there's some comp because the game, the story of the game has to do with imagination. So I'm kind of like, eh, but I know those are, there's things I will not budge on. Be like, it's too hard. I die and then start over. I just want to be like, that's life. Yeah. <laughs> Though um, God in the game will tell you that, not me. <laughs> <laughs> and people, people want that. People look for that in games. Like, if you read, like, reviews and comments and just gaming culture, they want more game-type games. They don't want yeah. these, like, linear quarter, like, stories. I mean, those those games can be good, and I do like a lot of them. But they want the openness of it. They want the dooms. They want the the exploration that you're talking about. Yeah, and I mean, I know that's why the rise of fucking procedural games, roguelikes, and open world stuff has been so popular, because it's like anything's possible. I'm not making one of those, but I believe even in a non-open world procedural game, um, you can still have that mystery, you know? Yeah. Like, I mean, Dark Souls has it. There's walls. They, they just look like normal walls, and you hit them with your sword, and they disappear, you know? Like, 
how do people find those? Yeah. I mean, that game was really cool because a lot of the secrets in it spread by word of mouth. Like you'd be playing with your friend and they would tell you, oh, I did this. Like, I found this. Yeah, because, you know, like something I look at, it's a big change in gaming too. It was like when Minecraft first came out, you didn't know how to do anything unless you went on the Minecraft wiki. So I was like, oh, because, you know, I grew up playing NES games that had a manual and you'd read mm -hmm. the manual. And then I was like, oh, now the Internet's your manual. And yeah. then that went from like a wiki being the manual to like now all of YouTube, Twitter, websites, blah, blah, blah. Twitch is your game manual. So, I mean, and then that kind of makes it seem weird if you're going to have like some super hand-holding tutorial in your game if the internet is your manual. Like, I don't know. Right. And there's no, it doesn't feel good when it's handed to you. Like if there's no, if you don't have to work towards a game like what's the point like it feels like nothing well the games that are like tell you where to go point point an arrow draw it on the fucking screen go there do this here's your next objective like to me it feels like painting by numbers yeah so you finish the painting but you just fucking paint it by the numbers like i don't know that's just me I don't and it's not to say that those games are bad, but it's just like there's such an oversaturation of that type of linear game. And I, I know that gamers are tired of it. And they like, yeah. that's the reason these indie companies can exist. Yeah, something because I kept on my computer I still have was like a Reddit thread. It was like everything it, that it's not done in games that you want to see more of. And it was like hundreds of these people comments about what they want to see in games. And I kept that as a file and I'd always go back to it. Yeah. And it was stuff like that. I remember it was like, stop doing things in threes. <laughs> that was one objectives in threes. It was like, um, I'm a super ultimate badass warrior that can destroy planets, but I'm stopped by a bouncer at a door. Like, yeah. you can't go in here, you know, and just like uh, rubber band AI. Like, uh, I yeah, I kept a note of that. And I keep that in my head. And I have my own stuff, of course, too. But that's another thing. Um, do you find yourself when you're playing your game and testing your game, do you sometimes get away from just what you want and start thinking about, quote, what people want? Has that ever happened to you? Uh, no. No? I just, I mean, I always think of what I want in the game. And if people think that's cool, they'll go along with it. But, I mean, that's pretty common with even, like, the triple a game developers like the i think his name's david jaffe the guy who made god of war he was like i'd like to tell you i was making it for other people it was like no i was making this game for myself like what i wanted was in this game and people people love it because it's it's honest it's like it's an expression of a, an individual it's not just like this homogenized mix of ideas so i think you really do have to go in as like what you think is cool and trust trust like what you have been influenced by yeah i i find myself doing that sometimes with level design like i'm just like okay i have to put this corridor here and then i have to have this door that's locked and you go in this other room i start falling i don't even know if it's like what people want but i guess it's just like like boring standards yeah and then i find myself just start do doing these boring standard things sometimes and then i go what, what is this i don't this is boring i don't want to do this i don't want to play this why am i doing this yeah and then I'll jump out of it and make a cool-ass level. 
and then, oh, this is great, and then, like, I'll start doing boring shit again and be like, wait, why am I doing this? I mean, and, like, some, like some boundaries or rules that start coming in my head, and I'm like, where are they coming from? Does that happen to you? Uh, you cut out there for a oh. few seconds. I was just saying, somehow then I just start getting these, quote, rules and boundaries in my head. Then I start applying, and I'm just like, wait, where? why am I doing this? Yeah, and I mean, games are so early that, like, the rules, they don't really even exist. Like, they're not, like, set-in-stone rules. It, I guess what it would be like, like, in film, because I, I do cinematography, too, it was, like, the most boring thing you can do is a shot-reverse shot. Like, if you have two people talking... One person's face, the next person's face, then the reverse of that, blah, blah, blah. So I get start getting stuck in shot, reverse shot of level design. Mm-hmm. And it might be because of burnout, I'm thinking. Yeah, when you're just kind of like going on autopilot. Yeah, it's like, because, you know, to think a cool level design or new fresh shit, you have to think and be creative. So then it's like, I'm not thinking, I just got to make this level. Okay, make a room, make a corridor, make a room. That might be what it is. Yeah, I mean, I think... I think your idea of like releasing it as a self-contained chapter is a really good idea to just get it out there. Yeah, and, and then get some mental space. Yeah. You know, telling my game I need I need space. I mean, like what you were just saying, like I kind of was spiraling about that the last time I was on here about my pause menu because whenever I would pause the game, the time scale would mess up and like all the physics would start going crazy. Yeah. And the the eventual decision was to just like not pause the time, like it doesn't need to be in there. But I was just like, game, it has to be paused. Like the time has to stop. Yeah, it's that's different. exactly what I'm saying. That's what I suffer from. Yeah, and I mean, like even with VR, like people are like, oh, you can't do smooth locomotion because it makes me sick. And it's like, well, then you can't play this game. Like, dude, you, you know go- what you do? Have your own branded barf bag. You sell with yeah. the game. <laughs> <laughs> like there's this yeah there's this dude um carlos coronado he does this he has this awesome presentation on his pizza border design method pbo yeah. but he was saying he made this game and then his enemies were just like a dude covered with like a blanket or something or a towel and mm-hmm. then people are like these aren't scary it's just a towel so then he made a custom towel in the same design on one of these sites and was selling it. So he made a joke about it and then it like it became accepted. Yeah. You know, so along That's those lines, you could sell the, the the member of the Alamo barf bag. Pre-order exclusive. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah, because I have these jump pads in there right now that kind of like move you from one corner to the other and like... I'm probably gonna have to make that a toggleable. Like that's where I will concede. I'll like I might have to turn these off for certain people. Now, man, just make him puke when he flies on him. Make the sound and have puke flying out. Like to I do, I do have something like that rigged up. Like it's because like, when I watched your your gameplay, I thought that was one of the coolest points when he flew by hitting those button things. Oh yeah, I love it too. Yeah, or if you put like super heavy two D like speed lines. I did. There's there's anime speed lines in there. You know what I mean? Because it's like it's the because I've done a little bit of VR, but it's like because of the perspective change that makes people sick, right? Like yeah. That. And so it's also you, when your your brain when you're what's going on on screen doesn't link up with what's in your head, so the sound has to be right as well. Yeah, if you put like so many rush lines, you couldn't even see the 3D space anymore. So it it was just like a warp. 
you know, like, I don't know, but yeah, they'll do that. They'll have like a, like a tunnel effect and that's a pretty popular way for, uh, helping with nausea, even in just like moving around. Dude, you should make him puke when he does it and then like have like a steam achievement. Like if they did like a certain number of those, then they're like unpukeable or have like something where like, you know what I mean? Like some, some resilience or tenacity reward because you went on so many of them without puking or something. But yeah, like I, I've never, like you could just attach uh, like a blood spray emitter, turn it green to your head. It, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, that's... Where's, where's get cracking? Let me add that on there. Oh, we should talk about that as we end our podcast. Because um, last time we talked, I don't think, I don't know if I was using any version control last podcast I did. I think you had just first started talking about it. Yeah, so when I finally was like, okay, I need to use this, I got Source Tree, Git Kraken, uh, like two other ones. I installed like four of them at the same time. And then I just looked at the interface and I was like, which one do I understand the most? Like, which one can I actually understand how to use? And then it was Gitcrack and I thought I had the best UI. It was easy. And then I eventually went, I used our Glow Boards instead of Hack and Plan or Trello. And I used our calendar and all their stuff. And then you just started using it, right? Yep, I started using it uh, like 12 hours ago. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's cool too because it's like the Kraken is like the mascot but then it's also like man i need to get cracking you know yeah. so it's like i thought it was clever i thought the tutorials were really well done the dude's all happy he's like hey what's up it's get cracking I'm like yeah i just like in. how i mean i haven't i was kind of still asking how to do it but the idea that you can take your uh tasks and then close them as you push a commit i think is really useful yeah, and I, I requested a feature a couple times that like there would be a pop-up and you can actually just choose the task it closes so you don't have to type closes with a number, whatever. But it's still, yeah. And and then so like in your history, you know, you can go search and be like, what did I do? Where was that bug? Oh, I fixed that bug right here because it stays connected forever, you know? Yeah. And you wouldn't, I guess, have to make a message or anything because it would just be linked to that task. Yeah, so, and it's helped me a couple times already, like, going through my history and, like, what happened to that bug? How did I think I fixed it? You know, and looking mm -hmm. at it right away, and then, um, yeah, my only thing, it was just, like, I have my project on a private repo, so then when you first install it, they give you the individual one, so, and then after 30 days, it's, like, you need to pay, but it's, like, 30 bucks a year or something crazy, so. And is that only to push it online? Um, I'm not sure. I just know it was to private repos. If you go to their site, they have their basic individual and then pro whatever. It'll show you the limitations. Okay. But I think it was like $30 a year or something like crazy. Yeah, I don't ever push it online. Like I'm a, I just back it up as like a full project, but I do like the version control on a local level. Yeah, see, I didn't even know you can do that until I think you mentioned that. And I was like, what? You could just have it local? I thought you had to put it on the internet, but now I know. And yeah, then I, was I, it was it seamless to switch from using SourceTree to Gitkraken? Yeah, I just loaded it up and pointed it to my project and it was there. Because I was doing some reading and I think I'm gonna switch to a, pri to a public, like one, a local one like you're doing, uh -huh. um, using GitLab. 
because uh, I forget what I was going to do it for. But yeah, I'm going to look at that. So I think you can just switch over, right? Because it's just a Git client. It's just looking at the Git repo. So yeah, it's like just a, it's a shell. So like I can even go to my older projects that I've saved on like different drives and I can access all the Git commits from there. Yeah, I haven't used, like I'm using, I have Git flow installed, but I haven't done any of the merging or any of that fancy stuff. I'm just like keeping a chronology. And Did you use that stuff much when you're using source tree? No, I was just using the, the commits. Like I wasn't oh, okay. really, it's actually really ugly. I totally get shout out Ash blue for making us smarter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, um, Cause yeah, I haven't. I've he showed me like how to do it, and I've seen it, and I was like, oh, that's cool. But maybe that's more of an issue when you're working with other people. I'm just me, so right. Making those new branches and having them work on them and then merging them or whatever. But yeah, and you can assign users. I was seeing to different tasks. Yeah, and they just added that timeline feature. So they had the calendar, and then they added that timeline one, so you can see it spread out across time. So I've been using the milestones for that. Yeah, it's really smart to combine those two together. Yeah. Because I would forget to open up one or the other. Like I either wasn't doing my plans correctly or I wasn't like committing as frequently as I should. But this motivates you to keep it open. Oh, dude. And you totally get like, you know, most people, you know, like I don't have a phone or Facebook or any of that stuff. So like a lot of people like get their dopamine hits from getting a like or a message, you know, ba -doom, ba -doom, yeah. like whatever. I get it from committing, <laughs> like yeah. pushing a commit. I'm like, feels good. And then whenever I close an issue with one, I'm like, feels even better. Yeah. <laughs> and because like I'll, I'll push the commit, the close issue, and then I'll go to my glow board and see the card disappear. And I'm like, yeah, get shit done. Yeah. So I'm addicted to that now. I, I get it. So, I get yeah. it. I think it's a I think it's a good. And later on I was looking I was like cuz I write really long um commit messages like in the the you know you have the the title and then the comment or whatever the details. Mhm. Mm and I was like, man, I want to find something where I can like look at those cuz on GitHub it still kind of truncates them, you can't see the whole thing, but I was like, oh, is there something to, like turn those into blog posts or something? So then I could search through them and read them out easier. But if anybody knows about that, it's listening. Um, let me know. So, um, yeah, this this has been a, a good comeback podcast, Brad. Thanks for being on. Thanks for having and, me. And uh, we'll post the – is your video public, the one you just posted? Uh, No, it's unlisted. But, I mean, if you go to you can see it. Okay, so anything – I'll post the video that I posted from my game whose name I'm still changing – in the show notes and then we'll have something from brad's game and then for the future if you would like to talk about anything having to do with game dev you're doing anything to do with game development just go come to the discord message me email me or whatever and let me know you want to um, talk on the podcast because i'm so heavily in my crazy dev i don't really have the time or energy to go reach out to people and if you've been on before and you have some new stuff to talk about just message me and let's do this again so um, thanks again for being on, Brad, and uh, let's go see what happens with our games. Bye. All right, bye.